0: more thank yous to the Lord than I need and give me or we need to thank him. That's his will for us. We started chapter number 8 last week in the book of Romans. We're going to continue here. The book of Romans is a precious book and chapter 8 is probably one of the greatest in the whole book of Romans. And there's a lot of great passages. Tonight we're going to look at verse 5 through verse number 13. Does anyone need a handout for the sermon the usher's we're passing those out, but if you need anybody needed one, I think we're good. Good job there. We're gonna start Romans chapter eight, verse number five. The Bible says, "For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind." is enmity against God for is not subject to the law of God neither indeed can be so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God but ye are not in the flesh but in the spirit if so be that the spirit of God dwelleth in you now if any man have not the spirit of Christ he is none of his For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Father, I thank you for this passage and I thank you for the time that we have tonight. We love you. We thank you for your working in our lives and our hearts. And help us tonight as we look a little deeper into these things tonight. Help us. We love you. We need you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We see in chapter number 8, we see a major shift in Paul's thinking and what he talks about. This chapter begins and goes into some details and several aspects of how our lives are transformed by the Spirit of God. Chapter number 8 of the book of Romans is all about the Spirit-filled life and the new life that we have because of Jesus Christ. In the first four verses as, that we looked at last week, we saw Paul spoke about the difference, the difference of the spirit life. The spirit life is so much different than the life of the flesh. There's so much, you can't even compare the two. And we looked and we saw the deliverance from that. Because we're in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation of them in Christ Jesus. And thank God for that. And we look and just Christ has set us free. Those that are under The law, those that are in the flesh, they're not free. They're in bondage. They don't even realize it. And so we saw last week the deliverance of the spirit life. And tonight we are looking at the differences of the spirit life. The difference between someone with the spirit of God living inside of them and someone who does not have the spirit of God living inside of them. If you are a saved child of God tonight, the spirit of God dwells inside of you. The moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit indwelled you, and He's with you forever, and you're sealed forever, and the Spirit's there, and praise God for that. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God does not live inside of you. And the Bible says if you don't have the Spirit, you you don't belong to the Lord. Because the Holy Spirit is the difference that takes place at salvation. And you know, sometimes there are people that claim to get saved, And let me just help you tonight. We cannot know if someone gets saved or not. That's a heart issue. That's not something I can tell. Like this morning we looked and we saw the fact Jesus had every right to speak to those hypocrites this morning, the Pharisees, because he knew their hearts and he knew what they were all about. Jesus has the right to question the heart because he knows the heart. I don't know the heart. You don't know the heart. But I will tell you this. When someone gets saved... There should be something different. Something should change. And I worry for those that claim salvation, but there's no change that takes place because you have the Holy Spirit of God move in. That's how you know you're saved. So you say, well, what if there is no, what if they haven't changed? What if, I wonder if there is salvation, but that's for them and God to figure out, not me. But I will say this, you take a dead, fleshly person and you put the Spirit of God into that person, he's got to change. Change has to change is going to take place. That change might be slow, that change might take a while, but there's got to be some sort of change that take, is, takes place. There's a difference. That difference is the Spirit of God. And when we look at this tonight, you'll notice that Paul in these verses, especially the first few we read tonight, he addresses the matter of the mind. The Bible is clear in its teaching that how a man thinks determines how that man really is. The book of Proverbs puts it out there for us. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's very powerful and it's very true why I try, I try and help people. All people come see me in my office and, Pastor, I'm just a loser. I'm a drunk. I'm an adulterer. I, whatever the case may be. And if you want to think of yourself that way, that is what you are, right? Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But if you belong to God and you're a child of God, that's not what you are. That doesn't have to define you. And that's one of the problems we have in Christianity is people identify themselves as all the sin. You're, you're not that. You're a child of God. A child of God should live differently. If you want to think of yourself in certain ways, then yeah, you're going to live down at that level. But maybe if you change your outlook on things and determine you're a child of God, it might change the way you think about things, but we'll leave that there. The mind is very important. The Bible's clear about that. The changes that the Spirit of God make produces in the mind, and the resulting changes is what this is about in this passage. We see, number one, as we dive into the meat of the message tonight, we see a difference in the mind of the believer. The difference, a difference in the mind of the believer. Let's read verse 5 through 7 again. It says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. We sang a song a few minutes ago. The song was sung on purpose. There was a reason behind I, and that's one of the things sometimes I like. Now, sometimes picking songs is hard for me. But then I love when like okay, this morning, The Heart of Worship, it fit perfectly with the message this morning. The song we just sang, Jesus thank you, once your enemy now seated at your table. Before salvation, you we were not the children of God. People get that wrong. We're not It says the carnally minded, that's that's an unsaved person is that is at enmity with God. The flesh, the carnal mind, is the enemy of God. Because it goes contrary to God. People don't like to hear that, but there's a big difference in the two. So a difference in the mind of the believer. Letter A, we see the desires of the mind are changed. Paul addresses this right away in verse number 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. The first thing that Paul addresses right here is the contrast that exists between the natural mind of man and a mind that has been transformed by the Spirit of God. The whole idea here is the natural bent or the orientation of a natural man. His thinking is always directed towards his own flesh. In other words, the carnal mind always focuses on physical material and selfish concerns it may think about religion some but it will be a religion based on what they can get out of it there may even be thoughts about god to some degree but those thoughts will be how to approach god on my own terms because the carnal mind the flesh is all about pleasing the flesh That's the flesh's goal. The flesh wants to be happy. And you know what I'm talking about. That's why we still struggle with the flesh. Because the flesh still wants to have control. The flesh wants us to do the things of the flesh. Because as long as we have these bodies, as long as we're alive here on earth, there's always going to be that battle that takes place. The carnal man as we look at this, always has the mindset of self. Bible tells us Second Peter 2 verse number 10, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh and the lust of uncleanness and desire government, presumptuous are they self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Philippians 3.19 tells us whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. So we read verse 5, where we are tonight, it says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. An unsaved person is going to dwell on those things. Who really is their God? Themselves. Their God is their belly. It's all about self, the flesh, feeding the flesh. And we see that here. But what the Bible tells us here, and as we're looking at this, is that the desires of our minds when we get saved, those change. It's no longer all about the flesh because what happens is the Spirit of God comes into play and we get saved. And when that happens, our minds change. They're changed. Heavenly things matter, love really matters, the things of God matter. It goes to where instead of being worrying about making sure I'm happy, I love the Word of God. I love his people. I love his house. I love to worship him, not worship myself. But that's the change that takes place with salvation. You see, the Spirit of God redirects the thinking. And that's what happens. That's why there's a battle that takes place, because the flesh still wants to please the flesh. But you get saved, and now you've got the Spirit of God trying to straighten you up and help you do what's right. And what a blessing that is. But we see that there's so much to it. And so we see letter A there. We see that the desires of the mind are changed. Then letter B, we see the direction of the mind. The directions of the mind are changed. Look at what verse 6 says. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And what Paul's doing right here, he's stating facts for us. He's just laying it out here. This is, not, this is how it is. It, carnally minded, to be carnally minded, it's death. To be spiritually minded, that's where life, that's where peace comes from. And as we look at this, you've got to understand something. If you have a carnal mind, it's going to be focused on the things of the flesh. Because you're dead. The Spirit's not alive there, it's not working. And that's what Ephesians chapter number 2 is all about. We go to this passage often, but this is the state before salvation. And you hath he quickened, that word quickened means to be made alive. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the Spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh. Look what it says. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's being carnally minded. That's death. That's where we all were, each and every one of us before salvation. That's where our thought process was. But you see, to have a mind that is focused on the things of God and the things that above proves the fact that there's salvation there, and that we that the you got to understand Colossians chapter three verse one through four. If Christ then be risen, if 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 ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And Paul says here, hey Christians, set your affections on things above. Hey, your affection shouldn't be about this flesh anymore. Because you know Christ. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And we see when Christ, who is our life, that's where our life comes from. From Christ and what he did. We talked about over and over again, we're in Christ, right? That's where life comes from, Christ. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. And what we see here is just the contrast. The direction of the mind changes. You see, the mind was all about carnal things and all about the flesh. And then we get saved, the spirit of God's like, No, Brian, the flesh doesn't matter anymore. I've got some things that is going to make your life so much better if you'll just listen to me. I'm going to help you do what. Hey, focus on this stuff. Don't worry about the flesh. But we see the direction of our minds are changed, and let us see the devotions of the mind are changed. You look at verse number seven, it says Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, and neither indeed can be. And Paul tells us here that the carnal mind is literally the enemy of God. Because you say, well, why would the carnal mind be the enemy of God? Because the carnal mind, the fleshly mind, is all about you being God for yourself. Really. Because you're living to make yourself happy. Those that don't know Christ... Life is all about trying to find happiness. And so we feed into our flesh and try to find happiness. We are in, in this the thing, you cannot serve God in the flesh. It does not work. You can only choose one. You can't love this world and the things of this world and love God. It, a lot of Christians want to try and do it, but God's word says you can't. And God's word is always right. You cannot have it both ways. And so when we look at this and when we think about this verse here and we look at it, the carnal mind goes at odds with God. It's against God. It's not going for Him. And so as we look at this, we look at our world, I hope that one of the things that this does for you is maybe soften your heart to the stupidity of this world just a little bit. Because there are a lot, you just turn on the news and you see the stupidity of people today. (laughs) I got enough stupidity in my own life. I have the Spirit of God living inside of me. I should do better. Why do we expect this world and the people that are the enemy of God to do better? They don't know better. They will not get better till they find Jesus Christ. That's why you want to help our world out today, and you want to make this place a better place, you want to make America better today, the answer to helping America is not found by who gets selected in the recall or who's going to be president in a few years, who runs the House, who runs the Senate. The change that could change things is Jesus Christ. He is the only hope we have in our world today because the problem is the wickedness of man. And the flesh. And we, the only answer to combat the wickedness in our world today is Jesus and the change that he can bring. Because without him, there is no hope for this world. There are no hope for the lost because the lost are blinded to it, they don't even see it. And you got to understand the very best day an unsaved person has, he's still God's rival and he's still God's sworn enemy. That's the best day that they have. When you look at that, and when you think about that, that should make you want to take the gospel and give it to someone. A lot of this world doesn't even know they're God's enemy. The Word of God tells them that. And it's our job to get the gospel out. When's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? Every Christian's job is to share the gospel. Every Christian's job. When's the last time you shared the gospel with someone? Man, I hear a lot of people talking about how crazy our world is and how things need to change. You want to bring change? Get this book outside these doors. Get this book to your neighbors. Get this book to their children. Get this book to this world around us. And that's the only way true change will take place because that's how change took place in our lives because we were all on the same boat heading the same direction until things changed. And thank God for the change that's taken place in our lives but we need to be sharing that with others. And when we think about it, the Bible makes it clear in Ephesians 4 verse number 30, it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, Whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You know, you gotta understand something. The spirit that that is alive in us, it's sealed until the day of redemption. Our flesh is not. Our flesh is where we still have all the problems today. And our flesh, you gotta understand when we think about these things. While we live this life, there's a battle that goes on each and every day between the flesh and the spirit. The fight's real. It's a fight that we need the Lord's help to win. Because what does the Bible tell us in 1 John 4, 4? Greater is he, or let's read the whole verse. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Who's in the world? The devil's in the world, right? Uh, Let's be honest tonight. The devil's pretty powerful, isn't he? He is pretty powerful. He's more powerful than you and I tonight. Let's just realize that tonight. I hope you realize that. Even the archangels had a hard time now to get some backup. They couldn't handle Satan on their own. But you're not trying to handle Satan on your own. At the moment of salvation... This is where I think that we lose sight of it. And I think we as Christians and as Baptists and in our churches today, we've done a terrible job of representing the Holy Spirit of God. And I, don't know if it's beca- I don't know what the reason is, and that needs to change. But you have part of the Godhead living inside of you right now if you're saved. We look and we're like, man, it would have to be neat for the disciples to have Jesus with them. That had to be pretty cool. That had to be something special. But do you realize you have something even better than they had? Moses, he had great communication with God, didn't he? I would say he did. But that wasn't every minute of every day. We literally have the Spirit of God living inside of us. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Say, Pastor, I can't give victory in this. The flesh, it's it's just too much. So, is this verse a lie? It's not a lie. Because the Holy Spirit of God is greater than Satan, He's part of the Godhead. He is God the Spirit. He's all powerful, He's all knowing, He's our guide. And he lives inside of me tonight. He lives inside of you. We just don't yield ourselves to him. We want to please the flesh. The problem is not the Holy Spirit in us. The problem is the flesh and what we yield ourselves to. But we see tonight, number one, we see the difference in the mind of the believer. The believer's mind should be different. Number two... We see a difference in the motives of the believer. Look at what it says in verse number eight. So they so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. I think that does away with legalism, doesn't it? We talked about legalism some this morning. The flesh, nothing about the flesh can please God. Nothing. Then why try? Don't go there tonight. Look at verse number 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. We see a difference in the motives of the believer. We see letter A, we see the charge against the flesh life. We've already touched on this and it's clearly stated in this verse. Those who are under the control of the flesh, who live for the flesh, who walk in the flesh, have their minds centered on fleshly activity, cannot please God. They're so far removed from God, there is no way in the flesh to please God. And according to the Bible, how can we please God? How can we please God? faith hebrews 11 verse 6 but without faith it is impossible to please him you say well why because in the flesh the flesh cannot please god there's nothing in my flesh you say well how does faith change that because when you put your faith in jesus christ you are in him and god is pleased with him and since we put our faith in him he's now pleased with us that's bible that's how it's supposed to be the, and this is where christians get in trouble sometimes too we're trying our best to please god in our own works i cannot please god in my flesh God is pleased with His Son, Jesus Christ, and I am in Him. That's how God is pleased. And how is God pleased? When we bear much fruit, correct? What fruit? The fruits of the Spirit, right? Isn't that the fruit? So if you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, there should be fruit from that, right? You are who you hang around. Do any of you ever tell your kids that? Or have your parents tell you that? You are who you hang around. I've heard that over and over again. Who have you been hanging around? The flesh or the spirit? As we look and go deeper, we see the charge against the flesh life. And when we look at this, the flesh cannot produce what is spiritual it sta- and so we see, letter B, we see the change apparent in the spirit life. And Paul says in verse number 9, But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, and if so, be that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And what Paul, go, he talks about the fact about, and he's going back to salvation, the fact that when you receive Christ as your Savior, we change, and what happens is, The Spirit of God comes to move inside. And when that happens, we now have a different life. We have a new life that's been given to us. We're a new creature in Christ. And that's what Paul is trying to get across here. When you get saved, things are different. Things are not the same as they were before. That's what takes place. The The flesh life is completely opposite of what takes place when the Spirit comes in. There is a difference. There's a change that takes place. We see that right here in the Scripture. And so we see a difference in the motive of the believer, and we also see, make sure you understand something. If any man, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You are not a child of God if you do not have the Spirit of God living inside of you. That's right here. That's Bible. And the Spirit of God comes in at salvation. That's what the Bible teaches us. And so, when we look at all of this together, we're going to tie this all together and end here tonight. We see number three, and lastly tonight, we see a difference in the members of the believer. Look at verse number 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Now if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. So who raised Jesus from the dead? The Spirit of God did, right? And the Spirit of God is what lives inside of us, which is going to do the same thing in us. Verse number twelve, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Joe, I forgot to ask you a question this morning. That just reminded me of it right now. John O'Donnell was watching at home, and he should be back one of these days. But he was saying that, do you ever adjust my volume on my voice when I talk? But I has noticed. I One minute I'm very loud, and one minute I get very soft. So, John, if you're watching tonight, I don't think it's him messing with the volume. I think it's Brian messing with the volume of his own voice. I think that's what that comes down to. Because one minute I'm loud, and the next I'm just like this. But what happens is after you've preached all day, and this is the third message of the day, the voice likes being like this, not louder. But you talk about the Spirit of God and things, you get excited, and I just get going with it anyways. But when we look here, we see the Spirit of God changes how we think, He changes how we go through this life. And these verses go on to tell us that He changes the way we act. There are definite changes that take happen on the inside, and those changes and this is those changes that take place on the inside will make their way to the outside. That's the progression. That's God's progression. We see letter A a change in our members, verse 10 and 11 there. These two verses fit together to teach us that when the Spirit of God moves into our spirit, He produces changes in the way that our body acts. Anyone who claims Christ as his or her Savior and yet manifests no change in the way that they live, that's a hard one for me to figure out. And I would just make sure that you're saved, and I'll leave it there. But if the Spirit of God, and, you know, we look at that and we're like, we can't, and I'm not going to judge. But if you go from being dead to alive and the Spirit of God is there, there's going to be some evidence of that, just a little bit. There should be. That should be evident. But you've got to understand, this isn't to say that we never sin. Because as long as we have this flesh, we're always going to sin. But if salvation is there, there's going to be a new desire not to please my flesh. I'm going to want to please Him. I'm going to want to live for Him. I'm going to want to serve Him. That's just going to be there naturally because the Spirit of God is in me, right? That's, that's natural, right? I think that would be. What Paul is trying to teach us is the fact that the Spirit of God makes us do different things than what we did before. Our flesh is completely different than the Spirit. And then we see, letter B, we see a challenge to our members. And look at what Paul says in verse 12. Therefore, hey, because of this, brethren, we are debtors. But we're not debtors to our flesh. What did my flesh ever do for me to be indebted to my flesh why should i serve my flesh tonight why should i live after my flesh and this verse reminds us you're not obligated to live under the flesh anymore why because in jesus christ the flesh has been conquered your flesh is rendered dead you don't have to live under it anymore And the fact is, we're dead to the flesh. We're alive to the Spirit of God. And if we went, and you look at this, after all that Christ has done, we should be dead. Because He died for me. He lived for me. He gave everything. He went through hell so I could have life. I don't owe this flesh nothing. This flesh has done nothing but get me in trouble for 36 years. Yet we live as debtors to our own flesh when our flesh is dead. And Paul, there's a challenge here for the believer. And our flesh has done nothing but condemned us. The debt we owe is to the Spirit of God. The challenge is you don't owe your flesh nothing tonight. Hey, Christian. You don't need to listen to your flesh anymore. Your flesh has done nothing but hinder you your entire life. Your flesh has no desire but to make it happy. Your flesh wants nothing more than your happiness, and it cares less about God. So why do we give in to the flesh? Because God in his mercy and his grace gave us his son, the best gift in all the world. And He not only gave us His Son so that we wouldn't have to go to hell, but He's like, I'm going to give you my Spirit. And He's going to guide you in all truth. And He's going to be there to be your come-alongside, your comforter, your paraclete, and He's going to help you get through the Christian life. Why do we, why do we give into the flesh when we've been given so much in Christ? And then we see, letter C, and lastly tonight, we see a caution to our members. In verse 13 For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Even though we are saved. We still have the potential to live after the flesh. Any Christian who tells you that once you get saved, you will never sin again, is a liar. And they're sinning by telling you that. Because the Bible's very clear that we are capable of committing sin. And we will as long as we have this flesh. But because the Spirit of God lives within me, We have the power to mortify. Or do you know what the word mortify means? To put to death the deeds of the flesh. That's how God is honored. Because he's made that possible for us. In his power. Through the spirit question comes down to, and we're going to see this as we go further into this passage of scripture over the next several weeks, who are you yielding yourself to? Let me be honest with you tonight. Are you ready? There were many times this week that Brian did what was best for his flesh. I did. There are many times I should have done better, but I didn't. There were some times, though, and I praise God for those times, where I did yield to the Spirit and do it His way. I wish there were more times I yielded to the Spirit and not my flesh. But that's the battle we face every day. And what we should be getting from this passage tonight is this world is lost and has no hope without Jesus Christ. And yet we have the hope of glory. We have Jesus Christ. We have the spirit of God. And yet we live like we're in debt to the flesh. And we're not. Christ is the one who's done all for us. God's the one who's given us his spirit. Let's not live for our flesh. Let's live for the spirit. And do the things of the spirit. And produce more fruit. So our father will be glorified by that. Father.